On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, word from Giga Shanghai is that the Model 3 Project Highland prototypes are rolling off the line and thus making the revamped sedan's debut imminent. Plus, a stash of original Tesla Roadsters is rotting away in Maryland on purpose. The barn find Tesla Roadsters are going to sell for huge money and more. Hi friends, Ryan McCaffrey here with you for your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. It's Ride the Lightning. It's episode 409 for June 4th, 2023. As always, there is plenty of Tesla to talk about this week. And I want to start right off the top with some good news. So good news on the tax credit front specifically. And that is this, the Model 3, all variants, yes, including the base Model 3, are now eligible for the $7,500 federal tax credit. Now, as you are well aware from recent news, the base Model 3 was only eligible for the half credit because its battery pack slash battery cells were the LFP cells being sourced from China. So the question is, how? How did Tesla do this? Uh, Now, I I don't want to look too far past that. I want to come back and say, This is just awesome because the reality now is the base Model 3, which I've long heralded as a really good value for the money, is now an even better value for the money. 272 mile range car that if you qualify for the full federal tax credit, you can now get it in the low 30s. If you've got a state credit of any kind, California here, the Model 3 is now eligible again. It's back. Uh, in the eligibility category, which knocks another, I think it's either 1500 or 2000 off uh, as, a, as a rebate that you send in for. So it's, it's and then there are other states like Colorado, which uh, th- there's just crazy incentives going on in some places. Oregon, I think, is another one. So yeah, you are looking at a radically more affordable car in terms of just the base Model 3 than even one year ago when this was a 47 or maybe even $48,000 car with no incentives at that, or at least no federal incentives. So the question now is, as we celebrate just the fact that this is a real thing, but how, how are we getting here? So I think there's, there's two natural questions. One or two possibilities, I should say. One is that Giga Nevada is now making LFPs, making LFP cells, putting them in LFP packs. And so it's all staying in the United States and thus qualifies for the full $7,500 federal tax incentive. Or the base Model 3 is switching back to a nickel-based battery pack, which if it did, would actually be something of a downgrade for that car specifically in terms of daily usable range, because the nickel-based pack, you're not supposed to charge to 100% all the time, the way that the LFP pack is designed to. You're supposed to keep the nickel-based pack to 80%. You could go up to 90% on your daily charge, but really you want to keep it kind of around 80 is a nice spot for it. 
So the point is, either way, you don't have 272 miles of daily usable range. It's really only there for when you need to charge to 100%, which isn't healthy on those packs. At least it's not healthy to leave them there. If you're gonna do 100% charge on a nickel-based pack, which is every other pack in the Tesla lineup except the base Model 3, you can charge it up to 100%, but just try not to leave it there. Get it up to 100, unplug, and go as soon as you possibly can. That is the, the way to keep those packs healthiest. So, um, circling back here, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that Tesla has switched back to a nickel-based battery pack. And the reason I think that, well, there's, there's sort of a, a, a hypothesis reason, sort of a gut reason, and then there's an actual numerical reason. So the, the more gut-based guess, if you want to call it that, because I guess that's really all it is for now, is until Tesla tells us otherwise, is that I just don't think it would make sense for that car to suddenly go back to a totally different battery chemistry, to have a, a really, it would change the the profile of that car in terms of its, its again, its daily usable capacity. So it just, it just doesn't feel right. But the now more actual mathematical <laughs> evidence, if you will, is that if you go on the Tesla website and you go to the design studio, the Model 3 still shows its 0 to 60 time at 5.8 seconds for the base model, which when that car was a nickel-based pack, the base Model 3, it was in the low fives. I think it was 5.2 because the LFP is less energy-dense than the nickel-based pack, and thus it's not capable of as good a performance as a nickel-based pack. So if Tesla did make that switch back, the zero to 60 time would likely be coming down. Although I suppose Tesla could just dial that car's acceleration back in software, just software limit the acceleration if it wanted to in order to keep parity uh, with, with the previous LFP version of the car. But again, that still doesn't feel right. I mean, that also, and Tesla purposely having a car go slower than it's naturally capable of isn't really its MO. We've heard Elon say, Tesla doesn't make slow cars. And not that zero to 60 in 5.8 seconds is slow, but it would be slower than what a nickel-based higher energy density pack would be capable of. So I am of the opinion that either Giga Nevada is making LFP battery packs now, which if you think about the timeline of this, we knew the uh, Inflation Reduction Act when it passed that and if you kind of walk back through the timeline here with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, it's entirely possible that once that law passed, the Tesla said, okay, well, let's, let's deal with this because they knew th what the rules were, that, that uh, China-sourced pack, China-sourced cells were not going to qualify for the full credit. So it's entirely possible that Tesla spent a number of months planning for Giga Nevada to be producing LFP packs here in America so that the base Model 3 could qualify for that full federal tax credit. So that's option one, and that's that's the thing I think is most likely the case. That's the one I would, I would place the small wager on. The other option I think that is most realistic is that Tesla has found some sort of loophole in the tax code, in this Inflation Reduction Act law 
that is allowing them to get the full 7,500 even though the battery cells slash battery packs are coming from China. So uh, we'll have to wait and find out when either somebody asks Elon about it on Twitter and he responds, which doesn't happen too much these days about Tesla-related things, or somebody asks it on an earnings call, which uh, we'll have another one of those coming up in, I guess, about a month and a half. We're about six weeks out. So uh, it's possible we could get an answer in that time. But still, the bottom line certainly is that this is good news, that every Model 3 and every Model Y now qualifies for the full $7,500 federal tax credit uh, if your financial situation qualifies you for that. So good, good stuff there. A good deal in the form of the base Model 3 getting even better. Hey, I hope all of you that are kindly backing me, kindly supporting this podcast on Patreon at that $10 a month tier or higher, I hope you all enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which again, I do every week on Patreon for those folks at that $10 tier or higher. Uh, This one was about my personal rankings of the past, present, and future most important Tesla vehicle launches of all time. Not the how big they were, how successful they were, but in terms of the importance of that vehicle launch, I went through and ranked them all. So check that out if you have access on Patreon. And if you don't, you can easily join the Patreon at that $10 a month tier or higher by going to my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Again, this podcast will always be free. But if you want to support me on Patreon, I'd sincerely appreciate it. A lot of time, love, energy, research, enthusiasm goes into this podcast each and every week. And it comes to you each and every week, which I have the receipts for going back almost eight years now. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And I'll mention again, too, because this just started last week. Patreon has just enabled free seven-day trials So if you don't necessarily want to quite put down your money, but you maybe want to just see what the Patreon's all about, you can sign up for that free seven-day trial on that $10 a month tier. Check it out on the Patreon page. All right, let's get to the proper news. There is plenty of it this week. I mean, we just had a significant story there. So that was the warm-up. Now let's get to the main event. And it is a very main big event this week. The first Model 3 Project Highland prototypes came off the production line this past week during Elon Musk's visit to Giga Shanghai. This was reported via Bloomberg, who said Tesla plans to give an early glimpse of its revamped Model 3 sedan as part of Chief Executive Officer Elon Musk's first visit to the carmaker's Shanghai factory in years, according to people familiar with the matter. The first cars coming off the line this past Thursday, now in the past, obviously, are prototypes, the people said, asking not to be identified because the company's plans are private. The updated Model 3, Tesla's first mass-market sedan, is slightly longer and sportier than the earlier version and has a sleeker interior design, Bloomberg reported earlier this month. Well... You'll remember that Reuters first broke the Project Highland news months ago, 
And now you've got Bloomberg in there reporting that the first cars have come off of the Giga Shanghai production line. So the reason I, I mentioned both Reuters and now Bloomberg is to say that this is not internet hearsay. This is about as solid of a source as you can get between these two major news organizations. Now, uh, a little bit game of telephone, telephone, pardon me, happened this week on in the Tesla community where, uh, I mean, I thought this was pretty plain as day from Bloomberg, but I saw, again, some people start to say this and then it would just get repeated and echoed and suddenly it was is a little bit of misinformation where people are saying, oh, it's the Highland is getting revealed this week. We're gonna get we're gonna get to see it. Like, no, it was Bloomberg was pretty clear it was the the company uh was showing it to Elon. The Shanghai team was just showing it to Elon while he was there. We'll get to see it soon enough, probably sometime in the next 26 days since this podcast airs on June 4th. So we are likely to see it very soon. But for the time being, it's just Elon that got a look at it internally at Giga Shanghai while he was over visiting that factory. So uh, this also, by the way, this report corroborates everything that we have been seeing and everything that I've been saying about the return of the Model 3 dual motor long range that's due to start delivering this month with that half federal tax credit until now. Now it's a full federal tax credit again. So uh, I still think the Giga Shanghai cars are going to be getting shipped over because Fremont doesn't seem to have retooled just yet for for, uh, the Highland vehicle. But I think... This is coming together pretty cleanly now, is sort of the overall point. Um, it remains to be seen how far behind Fremont's gonna gonna be from Shanghai with building this new Model 3. But uh, in the meantime, if you have ordered a Model 3 dual motor long range since its return to the design studio a few weeks ago, I would like to say to you right now, congratulations, because A, I mean, you're getting a great car. But B, there is a very good chance that you're going to be getting a Project Highland car, a.k.a. a brand new Model 3 that, as you heard Bloomberg sources describe it, which in another corroboration matches the leaked photo that I discussed in detail two or three episodes ago. You are getting a car that is slightly longer, per the Bloomberg description, and slightly sportier than the version that's been on the roads for the past six years. So the questions that I have now are as such. There, I have two of them. One, will we get an official launch event for the Highland? Will Tesla invite people to factory, to the Fremont factory, or potentially even do it in Shanghai? That's a possibility as well, since that's where we know they're going to be building them to start with. We did get a launch event for the new Model S, but that event was really more about the Plaid specifically and the insane new world record performance that Tesla had achieved with the Plaid. It wasn't, that event wasn't so much about the refreshed S itself, although there was some of that in Elon's presentation that night. So I'm going to lean towards no, that there will not be a launch event for this. Although, as I say that, 
if I'm being honest, I'm only about 60% confident in that statement. I think there's still a reasonable chance that an event might happen. My other question is this. When are we going to learn everything about the Project Highland cars? Or maybe the better question is, what will happen first? Will Tesla update the Model 3 page of its website first? Or will the first customer delivery of a Project Highland car happen first? And also, on a similar train of thought, are there going to be any buyers of the dual-motor long-range Model 3 that are going to be upset that they're getting something pretty markedly different than what they ordered on the website? Now, I'm not trying to be cheeky or funny here. This is a serious question that I'm asking. I mean, when I say that, though, I mean, I'm not really talking uh, to or about any of you listening on this because all of you are, if you'll pardon the phrasing, you're plugged in. You're, You're a plugged in enthusiast who will not be surprised if the car that you take delivery of is not the one that's currently pictured on the Tesla website. I'm talking more to and more about the average car buyer who isn't neck deep in the Teslaverse as we happily are, who just happened to go to Tesla's website in the past two, three weeks and decided to order the Model 3 dual motor long range based on what they saw on the website, based on the range and the performance spec and the price. And they decided, yes, that's the car I'd like. And they clicked order and that's what they're expecting to get. I mean, I could see some of those people being, at the very least, a bit confused when the car that shows up doesn't look like the one that they ordered on the website. And I obviously, I wouldn't blame them for that if they were confused and, you know, even if, I I hope they'll in the end maybe not be upset because hopefully the Highland will prove to be a nicer, a better, I mean, nice is subjective, a better Model 3 that is that is functionally, tangibly better either, I mean, if not the range and performance, but in terms of maybe the, you know, the seats, or the, you know, creature comforts, etc., that, that those people ultimately will end up happy. But I do think that we could be heading for some very surprised customers come delivery time uh, over the next month here as June gets ramped up. So in short, I am very eager to see how Tesla handles this. I mean, we don't have many examples of this in Tesla history of, of just of Tesla changing the look of one of their cars. But I am super excited to see this thing, particularly in person and particularly next to my own Model 3, just to compare it, just to see the differences. And I suspect that I will get the chance to do that soon enough. And and when I say that, I'm not being cryptic. I don't have some like thing lined up with Tesla where I'm going to be doing an interview or anything like that. I wish I did, believe me. Uh, and if I did, I wouldn't even tease it because that's... That's the quickest way to tempt to tempt fate for everything to fall through and for it to not happen and for your audience to go, well, wait a second, you teased the thing and what happened? You know, I I'm, I keep my mouth shut until the thing that I'm, the big thing that I'm doing is done and in the can, like with the Franz interviews, like with the Elon interview. I wait till they've happened and they're done and I'm definitely going to be able to air them and then I talk about it. Anyway, I do... 
to, <laughs> to get back on track. I really do want to see this thing in person. And I really do think I will get the chance to do that pretty soon. Just out and about on the roads or at a Tesla showroom or over at the Fremont factory if I want to just hop in the car and drive over to the parking lot. Things like that. That's what I'm talking about. All right, next up this week, thank you to listener Van for sending this to me. It comes via Motor Trend, and Motor Trend happened upon a stash of original Tesla Roadsters out in Maryland at a Tesla showroom there. And unlike the barn finds from China, which I'm going to talk about next, these Roadsters in Maryland are rotting away, except they're rotting away on purpose and they're rotting away under Tesla's own care and direction. So this is in Owings Mills, Maryland, if I have any listeners out there who want to drive over and drive around the back of the building and take a look at these things. I want to read you some excerpts from Motor Trend's piece on this, because it's a pretty, it's a long feature, so I'm not going to cannibalize their whole thing, but just give you a little taste. You can head over to Motor Trend's website if you want to read the whole thing. But they write as follows. There's no mention of the Roadster inside Tesla stores, and it's not even listed as an option when searching used inventory online. A quick examination revealed these six weren't for sale either. None had window stickers, some were damaged, and all of them were dirty. Registration stickers indicated many of them had been off the road for at least two or three years. Nobody at the store would speak on the record, But a technician, who refused to give their name, shared that the Owings Mills store has become something of a hub for Roadster service on the East Coast. They have one co-worker who is the, quote, Roadster guy who loves working on these cars. Quote, the tech says, the challenge is most of the original technicians who were with Tesla, who knew how to work on these, are all millionaires now. They've all left the company. He's, of course... Uh, referring to the stock options from back in those days, the early days, says, uh, they told me that Tesla used generous stock benefits to lure service technicians from rival dealerships when setting up its own service centers. When the stock price soared in the late 2010s, it created a windfall for employees and a wave of early retirements. Quote, it's awesome that we have someone with deep knowledge of these products going back really far, this technician said. He's chosen to stick around because he likes the cars and likes the work. The tech said that owners from surrounding states bring their roadsters hundreds of miles to Maryland for repairs. Quote, we keep these cars and parasitically break them down, certify the parts, and then use those to repair the roadsters that are still in service on the road, the technician said. The first thing that we do with these is remove the high power, high voltage battery on the bottom. Tesla headquarters in Fremont requests that all of those battery packs come back to them so that they can refurbish, reservice, uh, pardon me, reservice and recycle, end quote. From there, parts are stripped away on an as-needed basis. The tech wouldn't specify what the high-demand items are, but they did say the process takes time. Quote, it's like a Costco rotisserie chicken, they said. You eat what you like the first day and then put it in the fridge. And you keep picking away at it until there's nothing left but bones and scraps, end quote. Once the cars are truly picked clean, the Owings Mills Service Center sells the aluminum chassis to a metal recycler. 
Compared to the dozens of Tesla 3, Y, S, and X models they service every day, it's a very small part of their business. The tech said they work on a Roadster maybe once every two months. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say to the original Roadster service techs that made millions of dollars on Tesla stock, good for you guys. Good for you. You were in the right place at the right time. You were part of something that's become a huge deal and you deserve to be compensated for it. Good for you. I hope you're all, if any of you are listening by chance, I hope you're enjoying whatever you're choosing to do with your life. I mean, that's, that is literally the dream. I mean, it's, it was like a lottery ticket that those folks had a winning lottery ticket. It doesn't come around very often. So good for all of you. Now, uh, as to the rest of the story, if you heard my first interview with Pete Gruber from Gruber Motors, the shop that services original roadsters out in Phoenix, that was back on episode 350 was his first appearance. You've heard Pete's side of this, that Tesla's cannibalizing the cars that are no longer roadworthy in order to preserve the rest of them. I mean, it is unfortunate from a, from a history, a car, automobile history perspective, But short of some third party stepping up and making new parts, which I can tell you from my experience in the DeLorean world, is a really, really cost prohibitive endeavor. And by that I mean, to make new parts for the original Roadsters, it's either guaranteed to lose money, or the person making those parts would have to charge so much for them that it would become insane for the Roadster owners to pay that asking price for those parts. It's the tooling. Even something simple, a a simple part, it's the tooling that, that requires a huge upfront cost. It's the quantities that you have to order in to justify the tooling, to justify this project, you know, even making one part to justify that happening in the first place. So... It's just, it's a lot. And the, the thing to remember too is there were only 2,400, I think 12, 2,412, I believe is what Pete Gruber said on his last appearance here a week or two ago. Only 2,412 roadsters to begin with. So if you've got to spend money to design a replacement part, to engineer it, and then to build it, you've got all of those costs plus the tooling plus committing to build something like 10,000 of those parts in order to make it worth the manufacturer's time, the company that you've, you've contracted to actually build the part that, you've, that you're remanufacturing. So the math just gets really, really tricky. And I know I've given this comparison before, but just to put this in a little bit of perspective for you in terms of another old classic car... Compared to the 2,412 original Roadsters, you remember, of course, if you're a longtime listener, you know, and if you're a new listener, you're about to find out, I was lucky enough to own my original dream car as a kid, the DeLorean. I had one for 12 years, and there were about 9,000 DeLoreans built between 1981 and 1983. And do you see do you see DeLoreans on the road? No. Uh, <laughs> very, very rarely do you see a DeLorean on the road. So 
the original Roadster is almost four times as rare as the DeLorean, just by sheer production volume. So just for a little context of, of what it would take if you wanted to, to start making new parts since Tesla is not doing it anymore and to, to try and keep these cars on the road. So it's just, it's really sad. It's really unfortunate that Tesla feels like cannibalizing old roadsters is the best way to keep the other ones alive, but that's where we are. So it's a, it's a little kind of a, a bittersweet thing that, that some of the old ones have to die in order for the other ones to survive. But speaking of surviving roadsters, in much, much better news than six rotting Tesla Roadsters behind a Tesla showroom, Tesla service center in Maryland, on the topic of the original Roadster, let's check in on the three zero-mile barn find cars that the aforementioned Gruber Motors is facilitating the sale of for the seller. Uh, this was written up on Tesla Roddy this week. We have an update. Bidding was expected to end on May 26th, and a final bid came in on May 24th at $800,000, $50,000 higher than the previous high bid of $750,000. More details flooded in through Gruber Motors last week, including the recipient of the three vehicles, which was the original recipient here they're talking about, which was an R&D arm of a Chinese automaker that went bankrupt. Pete Gruber told Teslarati, quote, the original purchaser was an R&D center for a Chinese auto company that subsequently went bankrupt, and the assumption is these were purchased for reverse engineering to be disassembled. In 2010, the Tesla Roadster was, after all, a state-of-the-art EV before the Model S even came out and would have been of enormous value to an emerging EV company, says Pete. There was even a fourth disassembled vehicle that was recovered in a variety of shipping crates. Gruber Motors has extended the bidding until June 2nd. That is midnight tonight as I record this. So this will probably be done and settled by the time you hear this. And I'll give an up, a final update on this next week. Uh, and Tesla Roddy notes, it's due to the fact that the company is still receiving bids and they are being vetted because they are over $1 million. According to Fox News, there are actually, quote, several bids over $1 million. Pete Gruber himself confirmed this. And in fact, now I'm not quoting Tesla Roddy or anybody else anymore, uh, just coming back here to myself, to my own notes. Since I made my notes for this story earlier in the week, the bidding has now reached $2 million for these three cars. The Roadsters, according to Tesla Roddy, have also been transported to new sea containers and will be shipped either directly to the buyer or to Dubai, which is a free zone, quote, without the constraints for viewing permits required for prospective buyers wishing to examine the roadsters, says Pete Gruber. So two million bucks. As I mentioned on last week's uh, lightning round mini episode over on Patreon, I had said there that I thought these cars would go for at least a million dollars, and I'm very happy to see that they are doing that and then some. In fact, going for double that, that I have to admit is a surprise even to me, and I'll bet if I were to ask him, 
probably a surprise to Pete Gruber. And I'm even more glad, by the way, forgetting about the $2 million bid for a second, I'm very glad that the now bankrupt Chinese automaker that bought these didn't end up tearing them to pieces because now we have these three incredible examples of an historically significant car uh, and certainly an historically significant electric car specifically, but historically significant without any qualifier. EV, ICE, doesn't matter. The Roadsters, they matter. And three zero-mile cars, I'm so glad these exist. And now we just have to wait a little longer to find out what the final sale price is. But this really is such huge news for EV history and certainly for Tesla history. These are now by far the most valuable production Tesla's ever made. I'm throwing in that qualifier because certainly the original Model S prototype that's currently on display in the Peterson Auto Museum and the uh, Roadster, the next-gen Roadster prototype that's currently in Franz's design studio and there's the, because the rolling mule is a, is at the Peterson, the real one is presumably tucked away in Franz's shop. You know, those, the, the original Cybertruck prototype, those vehicles, you could say, if they were to be sold, which I don't know if they legally could be because they're prototypes, they're not officially roadworthy or whatever, but anyway, like those maybe would be worth as much as these roadsters, maybe more, but in terms of production cars that you can buy and immediately start driving if you wanted to, these are now the most valuable Teslas ever and probably the most valuable EVs ever made. One possible exception comes to mind and that would be one of the few or any of the few surviving GM EV1s that survived being crushed like the one at, yes, the Peterson Auto Museum. It's worth seeing if you do end up going there to see the Tesla exhibit. But just think about that for a second. That is pretty crazy that these three roadsters individually are now the most valuable Teslas ever and probably the most valuable EVs ever. Awesome. I love it. I love it. It's a trivia question now. Uh, I've got a couple more stories for you this week. The next one is an update on some under-the-hood changes in the latest FSD build, which seems to be have been pushed wide this past week. I got it yesterday, Thursday. And this comes courtesy of our white hat hacker friend, Green the Only, who, as he does, dug into the code. Green tweeted, quote, So despite the 11.4.2 release notes not changing from the .1 release, the differences underneath are substantial. There's now auto wiper version four with the ability to disable quote deep rain. And he, he adds editorially, I guess that did not pan out all that well. And then he adds, there's automatic emergency braking for cut in traffic as a server side toggle and a bunch more stuff. Also, the FSD beta suspension interval was reduced from two weeks to one. So thank you, Green, as always, for doing your white hat hacker stuff. A couple of interesting items there, in my opinion. First, I want to start with the auto wiper. 
Because the auto wipers have been the bane of many a Tesla owner's existence for a while now. And I'll bring some mathematical evidence for that in just a second. Now, personally, and this, this might reflect some of your experiences, I would say that overall, I have a, a good, but not a great relationship with the Tesla auto wipers. I would say that they work well a lot of the time for me, but the problem with something like that, auto wipers that have to be on if autopilot's in use, is that even if it works perfectly 99% of the time, the 1% of the time it doesn't, and by the way, the auto wipers are not 99%, but just as an example, the, the times that it doesn't work properly, it'll drive you nuts. It reminds me of, uh, to dig into my video game history, because of course that's what I do as a day job, it reminds me of the old Xbox peripheral, the Kinect, if you ever either had one or remember that thing. When the Kinect, which if you're not familiar with it, it was a camera array that would read your body movements and use them as input for video games. So like dancing games or other kind of like games where you could be physically active controlling the game with your body. So when the Kinect worked properly, it was like magic. It was awesome. But when it didn't, which with the Kinect was a lot, if I'm being honest here, particularly with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, when it, when Kinect didn't work, you wanted to throw it out the window. So anyway, back to Tesla, sometimes in my experience, my car is freshly clean. I mean, I have just washed it the day before and the glass is perfectly clean. The sun is out and I'll be driving down the freeway and the auto wipers will suddenly just decide to do a few windshield wipes, to just turn on. Sometimes it'll turn on the jets, the, the windshield washer, the washers, which really upsets me if I've just cleaned the car because then suddenly I've just got like a watery mess everywhere over my freshly cleaned car. <laughs> that one, you can intervene. It gives you like two or three seconds to disengage autopilot before it starts spraying the windshield washers. Sometimes I'll catch it, sometimes I don't. But anyway, so the when it tries to clean the, or, you know, turn the windshield wipers on, on freshly clean glass, that's annoying as heck. And uh, it also makes me look like a total idiot to other drivers. At least I feel like a moron when I'm driving down the road that, that other people are looking over going like, what, what is wrong with this guy? How does he not understand how windshield wipers work? <laughs> it's, it's really, I feel ridiculous when it happens. And then sometimes, the other time it'll be frustrating, is if it's misty out, which does happen here in the San Francisco Bay Area of, at various times of year. It'll be misty, and that mist will build and build and build on the windshield and the auto wipers refuse to engage in that situation. So all that is to say, hearing that Tesla is putting work into the auto wipers makes me very, very happy. I know there are plenty of owners out there that wish Tesla would just put a proven rain sensor, just a, a physical piece back into the cars like the S's and X's used to have and I certainly 
don't disagree with those voices. I, I can't argue against that. The problem is that just we know Tesla at this point. We know their MO. They're going to remove parts anytime they can get away with it. And they are getting away, they are getting away with it to some degree here. I mean, it's exactly the same situation as with the ultrasonic parking sensors, right? If Tesla thinks they can do the same functionality using the cameras that they already put into every car and that they know they want to pay for and they're not going to take out the cameras, then they're going to do that and they're going to save the few bucks per car times, well, in 2023's case, 2 million cars. Again, I'm not defending Tesla here, but that is their MO at this point, and we all know it. Uh, As to the other hidden items in this new update, plenty of folks out there will certainly be pleased to hear that the FSD suspension time's cut in half. And hey, the automatic emergency braking now being smart enough to automatically apply the brakes if somebody cuts in on you too closely, that's awesome too. That is a safety improvement and thus it is appreciated. Now circling back for one second to the subject of the auto wipers, I figured I shouldn't just let my experience be the only one that's discussed here. I decided to make this the subject of this week's Patreon poll. Again, every week, usually Tuesday night is when the poll goes up at patreon.com slash Podcast. The Patreon poll, you do not have to be a Patreon backer to vote in. It is open to the public. Just cruise on over there anytime. Again, the new the poll goes up on Tuesday night, but you can vote on it up till, you know, Friday night when I record. That's when basically the results are tallied. And here we go. For this week, I said, rate Tesla's auto wipers on a scale from one being awful to 10 being amazing. And the results are interesting here. Over 200 votes this week, the highest vote of 1 to 10 was 7. 25% of you, a quarter of you, which is the plurality of you in this poll, 7, which is good. That's, And I'll tell you, I would probably also have joined the folks that voted 7. But what makes it interesting is that the next highest number that was voted for, and it was close, 23% to the 25% that the seven got, 23% of you gave it a three out of 10, which is quite bad, which is, which is quite, quite bad. So very polarizing here, Tesla's auto wipers. And thus, certainly I'm sure the 23% of you that voted for that three will be happy to hear that Auto wipers are now going to version four. Uh, Elsewhere in the poll, 10% of you, back on the good side of things, gave it an eight, 3% a nine, 1% a 10, 7% a six, 13% gave it a five, right in the middle there, 8% a four, 5% a two, and 4% of you did give it a one out of 10. So, so and everybody was generally pretty clustered around three and seven, which I thought was just a very interesting poll result this week. And finally, 
on this week's podcast in terms of news, but there's more. I've got the Ride the Lightning hotline calls coming up here in just a minute. Further evidence that Cybertruck production is nearly upon us. Tesla now has over 70 Cybertruck-specific job openings on its careers website. They're all in manufacturing, and they're all, as, as a result of that, in Texas. So if you're looking to start actual production of this thing in September, it does make sense that you'd post those job openings right now and be hiring in the month of June, ramping people up in July and August and building, going into production in September. I mean, that that timeline does make sense. Now, I would imagine that Tesla will also be borrowing some senior level manufacturing staff from the Fremont factory and or Giga Shanghai and or Giga Berlin, all the other car factories, in order to help get things started on the Cybertruck production line as smoothly as they can possibly go in the beginning, right? Tesla's certainly going to throw all of its brain power that it can at that initial Cybertruck production ramp. Now, at first, just like with Giga Berlin, where they added shifts in the day as they ramped up, it's certainly unlikely that the Cybertruck General Assembly team is going to be more than one shift at first. It's probably going to be one eight-hour shift. I mean, they're going to need to, over time, hire more people, train more people, and be able to pump out Cybertrucks faster in order to graduate to the point where they add a second shift and then add a third shift, and eventually they're cranking out Cybertrucks 24-7. But hey, that's what that production S-curve that Elon always mentions, that's what it's all about, is working its way through that S-curve. And by the way, hey, if you have manufacturing experience, manufacturing expertise, and or manufacturing interest, and you either live in Austin, Texas, or are willing to relocate there, hey, why not head on over to the Tesla Careers website and apply? If you're listening to this podcast, as I said earlier, it means you're an enthusiast. You are passionate about Tesla's cars and about what Tesla is doing as a company. And if you've got that and you've got manufacturing talent, then speaking as someone who is a Cybertruck reservation holder, you are the kind of person that I want building my Cybertruck. I mean, yes, I want the expertise and the talent and the experience, first and foremost. But if if that person can also be a Tesla enthusiast who super cares about the cars and about the company, well, that's just going to make for better Cybertrucks. There there will just be better everything, just more care, more TLC put into each and every Cybertruck. I know that that might sound sappy or cheesy, but I really believe that. I mean, if you're passionate about your work, you're going to do a better job on that, on that work. So, uh, go head on over to the Tesla careers page. If I'm, if I'm talking to you right now, if this sounds like you don't let the opportunity pass you by, go jump on it. All right. That'll do it for a busy week. Wow. I've been talking for 46 plus minutes already just in the news block, but I'm not done. We've got the ride the lightning hotline coming up next. I've got a few excellent ride the lightning hotline calls from all of you teed up and ready to go right after this. 
Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. I took a quick breather there after talking for 45 minutes straight and opened up the mail. And much to my delight, the just added to the online Tesla shop uh, new shirt arrived that I ordered as soon as I saw it go up. There is a, uh, it's a cyber bear. It's a Tesla California engineering shirt. They're little, it's the state of California logo with a cyber bear over it and little Tesla T. I mean, I'm not an engineer, but I am a Tesla owner in California. So I wanted to grab that one. If uh, There's actually a couple of new shirts. There's a really nice new Cybertruck shirt on the online Tesla shop as well that I uh, also immediately ordered. It's, it's neat. It's like just a side profile of the truck with kind of the, the lights, ex- like the, the light headlight beam extending out on one side of the shirt and the red taillight beam extending out on the other. Looks cool. So check it out. I, you got to stop by the uh, Tesla shop from time to time because they do, they do add new, neat new stuff here and there. All right, before I get to the phone calls this week, I want to one, uh, once again mention Accelerate Auto. They've been kind enough to extend uh, their offers to you here of the, via the podcast, that $100 off policy, the, light, the discount code Lightning. So again, Tesla's got their own extended care plan now, extended warranty, the, the fixed two-year, 25,000-mile plan. But Xcare offers up to 10 years and 125,000 miles of extended factory coverage on the warranty. You can also purchase Xcare for any Tesla, no matter where you bought it. Tesla's plan is only offered to customers who bought their cars new from Tesla. And with the Tesla one, you can only opt in before your car hits 50,000 miles. If you're a mile over that, you're out of luck. Xcare plans can be purchased anywhere up to 125,000 miles. Finally, while both Tesla and Xcare have $100 deductibles and 24-7 roadside assistance, Xcare also offers rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage, which Tesla doesn't. And the Xcare plan covers everything that Tesla's own extended warranty does. So check them out and see which plan is right for you. Go to accelerateauto.com slash xcare, emphasis on the X. It's spelled X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And don't forget, again, that $100 off discount code, which is lightning, applicable anywhere except, sadly, Florida. So my apologies to my Florida listeners, which I know there are plenty of you out there. It's not my fault. It's not Accelerate Auto's fault. It's a Florida state law thing. But accelerateauto.com slash xcare. Uh, I've got my own policy. I've got a three-year, 40,000-mile extended service plan, uh, which I am very happy about. And I've used it. I've used it once, actually, since the last time Accelerate Auto had uh, had been, had been uh, supporting the podcast. I used it with my... Um, what were they called? Oh, the upper control arms. There we go. Sorry, I blanked out for a second. And I was paid promptly. Filing the claim was really easy. So I've only got one experience actually using it so far, but it was a positive one. Check them out. 
All right, Ride the Lightning Hotline time. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in, built-in? My goodness, I think it's getting late. It might be time for me to go to bed. Uh, Anyway, use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many calls each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second or less question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's very easy. It's toll-free, 24-7. Just dial in 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. The first caller this week is Glenn from Cape Town, South Africa. Hey, Ryan, it's Glenn here from Cape Town, South Africa. I thought I'd talk about the Cybertruck for a bit. With all these interior photos that are starting to surface on Twitter and me reading the comments, it seems to me that people think that this is the final the final design, what's finally going to end up in the actual production Cybertruck. I must say, I'm not too convinced. The, the a sort of square slab dash, um, you know, dashboard um, doesn't look finished. Um, I got a suspicion, and I actually maybe this is what I'd like to get your opinion on, is whether you think that there's going to be a dashboard redesign in the production Cybertruck. It just doesn't look finished. Um, and what I can't seem to understand is how people thought that eventually we would get that marble uh, uh, dashboard that we saw at the unveiling. I really didn't think that that is something that would eventually make it into a production uh, Cybertruck. I don't know why people thought that that would actually be the final product. So I'm quite keen to hear your opinion on this as to the the dashboard and the interior of the Cybertruck. And I must say, a lot of people aren't very happy with the fact that, this, that the sixth um, middle seat has been removed. But also, I can also understand why it's been removed because of potential safety concerns and obviously regulations and those type of things. Well, I just hope that's not going to put too many people off. But hell, you know, it's a really nice-looking vehicle nevertheless. So I think... Well, I hope that what we're going to see in the final production Cybertruck in terms of the interior is going to look sexy and awesome and that everybody's going to love it. Anyways, Ryan, thank you very much for a great show as always. Cheers, eh? Bye. Glenn, I appreciate your call. I want to start with your comment on the original marble-looking paper-based dashboard that was in the original Cybertruck prototype on the night of the unveiling. I had the very unique pleasure of getting a ride in the Cybertruck that night. And let me just say that my impression, my firsthand impression of that dashboard is that it was truly beautiful. I mean, it was awesome. In fact, my terrible handheld shaky cam phone video of that test ride is one of the few actual videos on my YouTube channel. Like I have a YouTube channel. It's mostly just syndicating the audio here where you can every single episode of this podcast is on there but there's no video you're just the the video is just a logo but anyway 
there's actual video of my my Cybertruck test ride on there. And you can, you know, it's dark, but you can kind of see it. Like it's, and I probably comment on it, on it in the video too. I haven't I haven't watched it back in a, in a long time. But if you would like to see it, that's one place you can see it. Uh, there are certainly better pictures of it on the internet than, than my uh, little video. But anyway, uh, I, what I would say to that is anything besides that beautiful marble-looking paper-sourced whatever dashboard that they had going on that night is a downgrade, at least from a visual perspective, right? And in fact, Tesla even removed that marble-looking dashboard from that original prototype. If you have the chance to visit the Tesla exhibit at the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles between now and mid-October, which is how long the, the exhibit's running, you will see that the dashboard's been swapped out. But anyway, to get back to your question, and I realize it will likely disappoint you to hear this, but I believe that the interior that we're starting to see more pictures of now is absolutely what we're going to be getting on the production truck. The beta trucks that they've been building lately, and thus, and they're the same ones that we've been getting these photographs of, I mean, these are the final step before test production on the actual production line starts. So that's why I think this is exactly what we're getting. I don't think Tesla's holding anything back here. I mean, Tesla has behaved the same way on their other four in-house vehicles as well. It's going to be Spartan as the three and the Y are, but it does have Alcantara on the dashboard and on the headliner which at the very least serves to make it look a bit more upscale than the Model 3 and the Model Y. And then it's also got the, the second row screen on the, on the back of the center console that the S and the X have. Although with regard to the, the Alcantara headliner and dashboard trim specifically, I've seen some folks in the Tesla community out there who aren't happy about that because they plan to use the Cybertruck as a work truck and Alcantara is a big hassle to clean if it gets dirty. So I, I absolutely respect and see where they're coming from there. I think you're absolutely right about the fold down front middle sixth seat being removed for safety reasons. That's that's most likely the reason for it. I also uh, understand and respect that that is a big disappointment for a lot of people as well. So my point is... Whether you're happy or not with what you've been seeing, and I understand people falling into either camp at this point, I am pretty confident that this is indeed going to be what the final Cybertruck's interior looks like. Thank you very much for calling in, Glenn. Next up is John from Collingwood, Ontario, Canada, also talking Cybertruck. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Collingwood, Ontario. And a uh, question for you. I hope to take possession of a Cybertruck soon and wondered if it's possible for us to go to Texas to pick that up. I live in Canada and it would be a lovely trip down and a road trip home. Also, just curious as to how to get the happy dance to happen in a Model X. I'm renting one for my daughter's wedding in six weeks and love to be able to show it off. Appreciate your podcast. Thanks so much. John, thank you for your call. The Model X light show slash dance, no problem. I can help you with that. 
Just go into the toy box and you will see the light show option in there. You'll find it very easily, no problem. As for your desire to take factory delivery of your Cybertruck, that's a little bit more of a problem. <laughs> the good news there is that there is a lot of interest in that. You are far from alone on that wish. And so hopefully Tesla is working and setting, making plans to accommodate that. However, if I'm being honest with you, and I always am because what good am I to you if I'm not giving you honesty, I'm not personally very optimistic that factory delivery is gonna happen on the Cybertruck. Now, as always, with these kinds of hunches that I make, I hope I'm wrong. With, when, it's, when I'm making a hunch about a thing that's not the outcome that we all want, I hope I'm wrong. But there are a couple of factors working against you here. First, Texas currently does not allow for the sale of direct-to-manufacturer cars in its state. And so as it stands now, to the best of my knowledge, if you order a Texas-built Tesla, which you can now do, uh, the Model Y, standard range, all-wheel drive. The vehicle has to leave the state first before it gets delivered in Texas. So that's a logistical nightmare for Tesla in terms of setting up a factory delivery option with the Cybertruck. And second, and sadly I'm afraid this applies to your case specifically, certainly other listeners too, but in your case specifically, you'll have Canadian homologation to deal with with your Cybertruck. So when the time comes that Tesla does build Canadian spec Cybertrucks, those are likely to get shipped up for delivery on your side of the border as there are likely either logistics and or policies that might keep you, a Canadian citizen, from taking delivery of a Canadian spec Cybertruck outside of Canada. Again, I could be wrong. None of this is certain. I hope I am wrong on all of this and that, and that Cybertruck factory deliveries are totally gonna be a thing because quite honestly, I would probably consider it myself, uh, even though you know that'd be a long road trip from, I mean, no, no longer than, uh, <laughs> shorter than what you would have going back to Canada, but uh, San Francisco to Austin is, is uh, not a short haul either, but it would be fun, right? To go see the factory, get factory delivery there, that'd be pretty sweet. But we know that Tesla is so devoted to efficiency in all things that I'm just not confident, again, being honest, I'm not confident that Tesla is gonna go out of its way to set up factory delivery. But one way or the other, we'll find out in just a few more months. I've got one more call that I have time for this week. It's from Mike in Maryland responding to the earnings call. Hi, Brian, it's Mike from Maryland, long time no here. Um, hey, um, I was listening to the latest podcast when you were talking about the earnings call. And uh, one thing that you didn't bring up, and I was kind of wondering this. Um, so you're, you go that you're the, uh, uh, the unofficial Tesla podcast. With the, on the latest earnings call, um, it's, is it possible that you may become the official Tesla podcast? As uh, Elon mentioned that he may start having a podcast after the various uh, the various earnings calls and quarterlies and that sort of thing. Um, okay, just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Um, I hope you uh, keep up with the good work, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Mike, thank you for the kind words. 
Yes, as I recall it, Elon was specifically responding to a question about giving deep dive, highly technical updates on Optimus from the Optimus team. I don't think he was looking for an all-encompassing in-house podcast, but hey, if Tesla ever wanted that, I would absolutely be delighted to talk to them about the possibility. Thanks, Mike. Thanks to everybody that took the time to call in. I promise I will get to more of your phone calls next week. In the meantime, feel free to keep them coming in. If there is something that you heard on the podcast this week that you would like to respond to or a question or topic that you'd like to bring up, I gave you the call-in instructions earlier in this podcast just a few minutes ago. All right. Stick with me. I'm still not quite done. There's a little bit more Ride the Lightning for you right on the other side of this very short musical interlude. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I guess that wasn't a musical interlude, although I would consider the dulcet tones of Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief in the Halo games, to, to be uh, pleasant music. That's I like it. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Steve Downs, uh, the warthog. Somebody's going to do, who's going to be the first person to do a, a warthog, not conversion per se, but like maybe a rap of some kind on your Cybertruck to make it look more like the warthog? Somebody's doing it, and there's a good chance that somebody listening to this podcast, because of course, you know, I'm I've got the video game Tesla crossover thing going on. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see who's gonna do it. The entertainment recommendation for this week is also what I've been up to. Because, you know, I'd like to tell you what I've been doing with my Tesla. Well, Tesla's uh it's hanging out in the garage. I won't have time to wash it this weekend. I've got a business trip coming up. What I'm going to be doing this weekend is the thing I'm going to entertainment recommend for you now, which is I'm going to be playing Diablo 4. It is out for basically all the big gaming platforms except Nintendo Switch for the moment. You know, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. It, there's What's cool is there's cross-play, so doesn't matter what platform your friends are on, you can all play together online. Uh, if you're not familiar with Diablo, it is what we call an action RPG. It's sort of a top-down hack-and-slash game where you're, you're killing monsters and getting loot. It's just like this loot progression, and it is it has been... The franchise has been around for 25 years, but it's we've gone a really long time between Diablo games, and Diablo 3 is was really good, but 3 was regarded as probably the least awesome. You had Diablo 1 in 96, Diablo 2 in 2000, Diablo 3 in 2012, and now here in 2023, Diablo 4. So I've been waiting a while, but uh, based on what I've played so far, based on the reviews, Blizzard, the developer, a, a world-renowned game developer, has absolutely nailed it. In Diablo 4. I all I want to do is play Diablo 4. That is gonna be my treat to myself after I finish recording, editing, and publishing this podcast. Is I'm gonna be diving back in and playing more Diablo 4. So uh hey, if you're if you're interested in playing together, feel free to email me, DM me on Instagram, tweet me, whatever, and I'll send you my 
my uh, Blizzard username so you can add me as a friend on Diablo 4. Anyway, time for a pro tip of the week to pull it back to Tesla. Here's Reese from the sunshine coast of Australia. Thanks, Ryan. This one's for when you get in your car and for some reason it doesn't recognize that you have your phone on you. When you go to pop it into drive or reverse, it prompts you to tap your Tesla keycard in the section just in front of your center armrest storage compartment. Now, instead, what you can do is grab your phone and tap it in that section, place it in that section just as you would your keycard, and the Tesla will recognize your phone just as it would your keycard in that spot and then allow you to go ahead and put it into drive or reverse. So it saves you going in and grabbing your, trying to grab your keycard out of your wallet or your purse. Uh, so hopefully this helps everyone. This has been Reese from the Sunshine Coast Australia. Back to you, Ryan. Thank you, Reese. That's a good one that I am happy to pass along to folks. Knock on wood, that hasn't happened to me in quite some time. Although on a related note, I have had more issues more frequently lately with the car not recognizing the phone key from the outside when I'm trying to get in the car. For years, it was never a problem. It would work, it would just always work with my iPhone. And I've had the same iPhone, I haven't upgraded. I've got a like three-year-old iPhone. But lately, like I would say in the past months, I don't know how many months, but in the past number of months, it has been an issue for me. Now, fortunately, I've learned that if I just unlock my phone, just like take it out and, you know, face ID unlocks and I just swipe up and I'm in the phone, then I just put it right back in my pocket. That seems to wake it up enough to then let me open the door. But anyway, uh, I'm getting off track. Your tip is is a useful one for those occasions when the phone key won't recognize itself from inside the car. So thank you very much for that, Reese. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, I welcome and encourage you to record it and send it to me the same way that you send in a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call, which I gave you the instructions for a little while ago. Before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of Ride the Lightning that can hopefully be of use to you. AbstractOcean.com, the world's number one awesome purveyor of fine aftermarket Tesla accessories. Go to AbstractOcean.com, click on whichever Tesla you own. It will then sort by every product that's available for your car, whether it's an interior lighting kit, uh, drop-in cup holder stabilizer, just all sorts, of, there's so much on there. The tempered glass screen protectors, you gotta take a look and when you put everything that you like in your online shopping cart and you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, no spaces, RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. The snap plate available for all four Teslas, everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that I recommend versus the sticky tape version that Tesla gives you with your car. The snap plate will go on and off in seconds, but when it's on, it's on securely. And when it comes off, it leaves no unsightly hardware or anything else behind. So if you're gonna be going to a toll bridge, a, you're gonna be parking at a meter, you're gonna want that on so that you don't get a fix-it ticket. 
But if you're going to be detailing the car just out for a cruise, maybe uh, whatever the case may be, and you want to take it off, just go ahead and take it off. It's that simple. The tools are included. And I definitely recommend this. The snap plate for Model S, Model 3, Model X, and Model Y. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. How about budgetsafesolar.com? I believe today was my personal, at least, you know, for my house, my little very narrow San Francisco home, the most amount of solar power I've generated yet. Yeah, 43.3 kilowatt hours today, which again, I know that's everybody's is going to be different based on the size of their home, but that's uh, the most I've generated so far since I got my budget safe solar system installed. And if you check out Tesla solar and that doesn't work out for you, check out budgetsafesolar.com. They will work with you to put together a system that is tailored for your needs, for your home, for your business, whatever the situation may be. They also will install battery storage systems as well. So you can get the whole kit and caboodle, the whole closed circuit system, budgetsafesolar.com. If you do end up proceeding with a solar installation at your home or business, please use the referral code RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, the awesome detailer who's taken such great care of my car in the almost five years now that I've had it. Immaculate Reflections, if you're going to be in or just if you live in or are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, schedule a session at Immaculate Reflections for your car. And there is a nice little discount waiting for you if you just mention in your email to Jeff, the owner, that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, he'll kindly give you that little discount on any service that you might book, whether that's paint correction, paint protection film on some or all of the car, or ceramic coating is a popular one as well, and I definitely recommend it, because why bother with waxing? You just do a, have a professional ceramic coat your car, and then the water is just going to bead off, you're going to be protected from the sun for the next three to five plus years. That's what I'm doing with my car and I could not be happier about it. So the way to get in touch is through the Immaculate Reflections website, which is irdetailing.com. If you'd like to see examples of their work, there's the Instagram page, which is the handle on Instagram for Jeff is Immaculate underscore Reflections. And there's also his Yelp page, which is yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections. If you need a nice, reliable dash cam and sentry mode setup for your Tesla, go to puretesla.com slash RTL. $49 will get you a 128 gigabyte kit that's going to be super reliable for you. And if you're in the United States, it will ship free. $49 shipped free. If you want to step up to the 256 gigabyte version, that will also ship free in the U.S., and that's 69 bucks for the 256 gigabyte version. It comes fully formatted for Tesla cam and ready to go. Plug and play, just rip it out of the package, plug it straight into your car, no problem. If you're not in the United States, they'll still ship you one. Go ahead and order. There'll just be a, a modest international shipping fee on that. Uh, I mentioned my Patreon pretty extensively at the top of the show this week, so I won't linger on that, but just one more time. 
It's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. My hope is that at some point in time, you know, if you've been listening for a while, at some point I will earn your support on Patreon. So check it out. You can find all the different support tiers on the website, the patreon.com slash Tesla podcast and all the different perks that are associated with each tier and all those perks stack. So the higher you go, you get all the perks from all the lower tiers. Finally, if you are not already subscribing to the podcast, that is a free thing that you can do on your favorite podcast service. So be sure to do that uh, so that you don't have to remember to go get the show each week, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. It will just push out to you automatically because you've subscribed on your favorite podcast service. So you can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. I mentioned YouTube earlier, which is, again, it's, it's mostly just the, the podcasts are all audio only, and there's the occasional rare actual video, like of my Cybertruck test ride. On YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla. You should find my channel very easily and can subscribe there. Uh, tweet me if you like. DMC underscore Ryan is my handle. Same handle on Instagram. That's all Tesla all the time over on Instagram. But on Twitter, I'm talking video games. I'm talking some sports and talking some Tesla. So there's a little bit more mixed in, whichever social media you prefer to follow me on on there. And then finally, I want to say hello and thank you to the Maximum Plaid Roadster in Space and Grandfathered in Plaid level supporters who very generously back me at these higher tiers of the Patreon. They get a lot of perks in return, one of which is getting their name shouted out on each and every episode. I will start with the Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, Robert from Near Philly, and Chase Lancaster. I had a great one-on-one chat with Tesla Hitchhiker 42 last weekend, as that's the extra perk you get for the Roadster in Space tier is a, a, a monthly one-on-one with me. And she was talking about she's going to be heading down out to California. She lives on the East Coast, and she's going to be visiting the Peterson Auto Museum and the Tesla exhibit. So I am—I was telling her I'm so happy for her to get to see that because there's just so many great historical pieces in there just in the Tesla exhibit. And then the rest of the museum's awesome, too. So Tesla Hitchhiker 42, I hope you have an awesome time at that. Uh, Let me also thank the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaro, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, 
Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, and Tom Behan. Finally, a big thank you goes out to the Plaid level supporters. The Plaid tier is no more, but these very kind folks continue to support me at that level, and so I've grandfathered them in to all the perks. So thank you so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. And with that, we've come to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 409. Another busy one, another fun one, some good stuff. Man, I love, I'm so psyched by this Project Highland stuff. I love that it's imminent. I can't wait to see the car for real and see what Tesla's done, both inside and out, on the interior and exterior. I mean, at this point, it could be any time. Like, on next week's podcast, Tesla might just update the Model 3 website. It, it, could, it could be any time now. So we'll see. It also could be three weeks from now. So it's, but it's definitely happening soon. It's just a matter of how soon. Whenever it is, I will be here for you to talk through it, to analyze it, to celebrate it, to enjoy it, to have some fun, and, uh, and hopefully to celebrate a bunch of you taking delivery of it. If you've, again, if you've ordered a Model 3 dual motor long range since it came back into the design studio, you're probably, you've got, you stand a very good chance of getting one of the first uh, Project Highland cars off the line. All right, that is enough from me. It's been a long episode, but hopefully you found it, the time was well used and well spent. Thank you so much for giving me your time and attention. Your time is the most valuable thing that you have, in my humble opinion, and so I do not take it for granted that you've chosen to spend well over an hour of it this week with me here on Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.